Welcome to the Evolve with Nicolette podcast. I'm Nicolette. I'm a small business owner, wife, and mom. As I'm on my own journey of healing through this process, I've been inspired to encourage a healthy, positive mindset for women and men everywhere. Here, as you will hear my own journey of growth, I will also feature people that are inspiring their communities through health, wellness, and business. I'm so excited and so extremely grateful you've decided to press play today. Now let's get started. On today's episode, I got to talk with mindfulness educator, Melanie Yetter. She's a teacher for UCLA's MARC program and teaches meditation and mindfulness. She has an incredible story of how she overcame adversity, survived a difficult childhood, how she dealt with grief as an adult, and overcame depression. She's a mother of two and a full-on boss babe in her own right. I cannot wait for you to hear her inspirational story. Take a listen. Welcome and thank you so much, Melanie, for um, being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so one of the, the the way how I met you, or I, I attended the manifesting with intention workshop that uh, Ronnie um, hosts, and she had you on as the final speaker. And what was cool was that um, at the time, I was actually having such a hard time uh, meditating. So like uh, quieting the noise. And the one thing that you talked about that day was the mind and body um, connection and how to like control that to be fully conscious, right? Through the, Mm -hmm. through meditation. And that helped me so much that day. So, um... I wanted to uh, bring you on because you're a meditation teacher, essentially, right? Uh, yes. Um, really, what we, what I would call myself instead of my title, I guess that's what you would call yeah. it, would be I'm a mindfulness educator. Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly yeah. what you are. Um, so you have um, such an extraordinary life um, full of um, struggle, difficulty, growth, and essentially, you know, like, triumph like with your own personal growth like I would love everyone to hear about a little bit about your background and how do you came to be a mindfulness educator okay wonderful um so for me it was um for me it was I'm a a product of foster care Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was in the foster care system until I was about six or seven years old um then they placed me back with my mother who when they placed me back in her home was a full on addict at uh-huh. that point. And so you know, I I guess you can probably just imagine what life was like. Um yeah. uh dealing with that. My foster parents, I was very blessed, um, even though I said I'm a product of foster care, I was actually put in a home, um, with a pastor. And his wife, I called them Poppy and Nani, and they were just incredible people. Yeah. Very compassionate, loving. So I really lucked out yeah. on that. And um, then to my grandmother, I had my grandmother as well. She was kind of, I called her um, like my soulmate. She was just oh. an amazing woman, um, really 
really, I, I feel like because my foster parents and my grandmother, that's where I, I've been able to really grasp onto the concept of compassion and, and then also being able to practice empathy and, you know, and faith. And so, um, I moved out of my mom's house when I was 16. I got my first apartment at 16, so you could have, that was kind of a hot mess. I I mean, (laughs) so strong already at such a young age, but you kind of had to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you were like pushed into that. Well, I guess, and then also to maybe at that time, you know, because um, at that time, of course, we didn't have cell phones and social media and all these things, so I don't know if I was able to kind of move through life a little bit more easily because you can still be hidden in some sort of way. Right. And so then I moved out to California when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Came out here. I'm just like, so it's still to me to this day very shocking that I actually left Indiana. I'm from Indiana. Yeah. Um, and came here. And then just kind of like the loop, fast forward a little bit. Uh, my grandmother uh, and I still remained extremely close. I mean, we talked to each other on the phone every day. I would fly back to Indiana. She would fly out here. I mean, I just loved her. And in 2001, um, she passed away of cancer. And when she passed away, I I say it in the the video that I had made where I kind of tell a little bit about my story. When she passed away, they it floored me. I mean, I had no idea what grief was and to lose a person that you would consider to be your soulmate. Right. To be the first person you ever lose was extraordinary. And it knocked me out. And I feel like it also, like, there was a lot of trauma resurgence that happened. Right. with grief, it kind of unlocks the door to be like, you know what, let's just look at everything that's happened in your life. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Do it all at once. For real. I mean, how old were you when she passed, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I was 27. Yeah. 27. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, like. Old enough. Yeah still very much still like wow this happened yeah, yeah. i mean like I, like you're to call your gra- grandmother like a safe place right because you had so much yeah. uncertainty in your life and instability she was that pillar of stability for you so i could only imagine absolutely yeah and, and thank you for that and so what happened with me is um i mean i after she passed i'm looking at her picture right now as we're talking oh. uh after she passed, I think I laid in bed for a full year. Ugh. I mean, I was just out of it. You know, and of course, I, you know, I seek therapeutic alliances. So I would go to the psychiatrist. I was going to the therapist two, three times a week. Of yeah. course, then they're like, take these medications and take this and take that. And oh. It's kind of fact. And, and I was a walking zombie. Mm-hmm. And there was just a point after a, a couple of years of going through all of that where I just woke up one day. I remember quite clearly I woke up one day, I was laying on the couch, and I was like, okay, if I don't do something about this, mm-hmm. if I don't take some sort of control of my life, I'm going to die. Yeah. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, I went to my first yoga class. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was... For me to go to the yoga, I went to a stronger, so it's like one of the toughest practices you can do. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. But it was, it, it wasn't so much about the practice. I mean, the practice is beautiful, 
it was, and then after a couple of years, I noticed it wasn't about the practice, it was about being around other people. Right. And because when we're in those states of depression and and um, anxiety and, like, horrible grief, right. um, we are going to be cutting ourselves off, and which is the exact opposite of how we process those types of things. So just being around other people, um, I, I feel cured me. Right. And I still battle with depression. I will for the rest of my life. Yeah. I have it. It's a part of me. But now I know how to live with it. And yeah. hopefully not relapse full-blown back into um, not being able to function. So that's right. really what I work with on a personal level. Right. And then I ended up in India, and I did uh, training there. I lived there for about, uh, oh, like, almost six months. Yeah. And... I was a teacher, and that's why I was exposed to the meditation practice and the breathing um, practices, and it was a game changer for me. Came yeah. back um, to the state, started teaching, and then I entered into seminary. Yes. Uh, then a seminary where I studied and Buddhist psychology, and I was ordained as a Zen Buddhist monk, and wore the robes, the whole thing was such an incredible experience. Opened up a studio in downtown Pomona, and um, which I had sold uh, a couple of years ago. I sold it, and then I ended up at UCLA and studied really more so of the secular um, part of the mindfulness movement. Yeah. And so now I teach with UCLA and uh, with the MARC program, and I train and certify teachers now. And I think what makes what makes me I, I feel so blessed to be a teacher is because I just know I know how tough life is. Yeah. And I know what it's like to go through, you know, just trauma and yeah. that we we have the ability to take care of ourselves. We actually do. We just have to like learn how to. Right. Oh my yeah. god. So, so, so inspiring. I feel like, um, I have like a bullet, bullet, like list of like what to cover with you and you hit everything like right on the mark. I was like, oh my God, she's incredible. Um, um, it's, it's so inspiring to hear that like, even like you were able to acknowledge like how, how hurt and then how much pain you were in that you were able to snap yourself out of it, you know, and end up in, um, you know, end up in a yoga class, you know, eventually end up in India. And then I feel like you took your pain to also harness that for your own growth, but then also to help others through that also. Right. Like, and I think that's just so incredible that you, oh, thank you like were able to like um realize that and how thank amazing you. that is um can you tell me a little bit about like more about like your time in india and because you said you were there for six months right mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. um it was, it was funny because i had never traveled outside of the country yeah you know like that <laughs> yeah i was like okay if i'm gonna learn how to do this and if I'm going to learn how to teach other people, if I want to become a teacher, I'm going to go to the Mecca, right? Yeah. Just go to the source. 
and I went there. And I remember getting off the plane because you always land in India. I landed in Bangalore at 3 a.m. Uh. International flights always land in the middle of the night for some reason. Mm -hmm. And so I got off the plane, and here I am in this country. I know nobody. I, <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, well, I, I have to get a taxi to the hotel that I pre-booked. Uh -huh. I stayed a couple of days before I went to the Shala, which is the school, and mm -hmm. in Bangalore. And so I, I, I would, I think I shocked myself a little bit. So I went into the yeah. corner, and this is the truth story. It's so hilarious. I went into the corner, and I get, I said, "Okay, Mel, you've got ten minutes to cry. <sighs> ten minutes, cry. Let's get this out, mm -hmm. and then let's do this." And so yeah. I did. I went in the corner. Oh, ten minutes. <laughs> Picked myself up and I was like, okay, I'm here. And then I, I found a taxi and I was, you know, and then I ended up at my teacher's school where I had thought, and of course, I think, you know, I had practiced yoga before I got there. So I thought, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> I'm going to go to India, you know, I'm just going to be the best meditator, right. the best asana practitioner. And then what was funny about it is that it was quite brutal. I mean, it, uh -huh. because it was 5.30 in the morning until 8 o'clock at night, six days a week. Wow. You know, practice, practice, take to rest, practice, practice, practice. And I didn't realize that until I got there about three months in, and I was like, wow, I really don't like myself very much. <laughs> and then there was just a moment, like, I thought I was going to come here, and everything, like, I was going to get enlightened, right? Everything right. was going to change. But then I didn't really think that I was actually going to take Melanie with me. Um. <laughs> she came along, and, and there was just this moment in one of my meditation practices, and I was like, that's enough. Like, I love you. Yeah. I want to be your best friend. Oh, I want to, like, learn about you. I'm here. I'm not going to look away anymore. Wow. That was it. That's what did it for me. Wow. So it's yeah. kind of like you were resisting yourself, you think? Like of is course. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's sure. so interesting. Because yeah. um you know, like I said, I, I I through my own grief and um yeah, I was telling you earlier before we started recording that, you know, I watched your video of your story and I could totally relate to your grief and how the death of your grandmother affected you in such a way. Um you know, that you ended up being diagnosed with clinical depression mm -hmm. and going through my own grief and not even like, I felt like I was just living with it or not even like it was just there. Um, cause I went through death so early in life, you know, like experiencing mm -hmm. death. Um, I was, you know, about 10 when my brother was murdered and then like my grandparents that I think that's also too. I loved your story because I had such a good relationship with my grandmother also and my grandparents that their death also kind of put, I was just like living in grief and not really dealing with it. Right. And it was like, I think what 15, 20 years to the year that I'm barely, processing 
and starting this own healing journey. And I feel like I, I relate to, to that moment that you had in India so much because it was like, I'm, I'm here, I'm here for myself, right? Like I'm, I'm your friend. Like, let's, let's go through this. Like we can't live life just being this way. Let's grow through this pain and start processing it. Like I think, that's so incredible that that um, yeah. right and, and thank thank you for sharing that with me and you know and there's 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 a, a, a point in life and I, and I say this to my students and my clients all the time it's like I have to tell you like the most important relationship you will ever have in your whole entire life and one you cannot get away from I mean you can get away from it but mm-hmm. not in a healthy way is the relationship with yourself. Oh my God, yes. And it's like, you know, being able to have the ability to nurture that relationship is a game changer. Yes. And and I and I always tell, you know, with you as well, you start this type of journey, it takes a lot of bravery. Oh. A lot of bravery. And to like really acknowledge that in yourself. Like I'm brave. I'm gonna do oh. this. It's yes. huge. It's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like um it's not pretty. Right, like it's messy, it's sad, it's angry, it's all of that. Obviously, you start to like feel good about yourself, but there's a lot of the times where you do not feel at your best, and it's because you're going through years of pain prior, right? And you're yeah. trying to process it in such a shorter amount of time. Um, and I, I like I, I feel like that's like my next step um, to like go do like a spiritual trip like that did when you when you made the decision to go to india was it to um was it to like uh, was it something that you're like oh this is for me or you were just with the intention of like well i'm gonna go learn more and then you ended up coming to like well hey i'm you found this new relationship with yourself uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great question, actually. I don't think anyone has ever asked me that. No, um, no definitely. I mean, I think the whole concept of going to this spiritual mecca and learning from a, a, a teacher, the real, like, historical type of practice was huge. And I said, yeah. I'm going to come back. And, you know, I'm going to be this awesome teacher. It's going to be amazing. And I really don't know if I really quite thought that what that would look like for me personally. Yeah. So, of course, when you're going through, you know, depression and trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, trauma resurgence and grief, we try to find ways to distract ourselves. And becoming a teacher, absolutely. Even though I'm like, yeah, I'm a yogi, you know. Look at my yoga mat. My (laughs) teeth is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, you know, being in that world of being around this and finding community, but really, like, dropping it and doing the work yeah, was something that I hadn't expected that was going to happen like that, and it did. Yeah. And so I was very blessed that I, I was able to take that opportunity because it's a rare thing that, that people actually get to go do that, especially for mothers. Yes. Now that we can get away and go and do that. So I know that I'm, it was a rare and lucky thing for me to be able to do that's that's incredible and I feel like it's crazy because um when we want to do those types of things we have this like sense of guilt in a way 
And I feel like it's not, it's not what a lot of people are talking about. Um, where I feel like just now, just this year and the last like two to three years about like, um, we as moms don't have to, um, like we're leaning more into like doing things for ourselves, but it comes off as being selfish, but then Aww. selfish has such a negative connotation where we could redirect that word into being like, Hey, yeah, it is something that I need to do for myself instead Aww. of feeling guilty about it. I'm actually doing this for the better good of my family, um, yes. leading with myself, of course, but because I'm filling my own cup first, it's pouring onto my children, onto my husband, right? Like, um, because yeah, you already had your two kids already when you went to India? Um, I have my daughter. I did not have my son yet. Okay. Um, and then just kind of like to add to that, there's mm -hmm. something that you said about as a mother, I mean, there's a real thing called mom shame. Yeah. You know, the shame that we live with as um, mothers and, yeah. you know, our relationships with our children, whether we're doing a good job or not. Right. There, that guilt. And, but the whole thing is, it's like, for me, am I teaching my children how to love themselves and how to take care of themselves? Mm -hmm. what, what am I teaching them? And right. so I am very much so, and it took me a while to do this, like, I love spending time with myself so much so that I take myself for coffee. Yeah. I I'll go to the movies in the middle of the day by myself. I take myself to lunch. I'm like, you're awesome now. Yay. And my son sees that. And my yeah. daughters need that. And it gives them permission to feel that way about themselves as well. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, like, I definitely need better habits. But I took myself to Del Taco yesterday. And it was the best, <laughs> <laughs> the best lunch I've had in a minute. <laughs> and it was like, well, I need to go do, I need to go grab a salad better. But, like, we're definitely working to our 2020 intentions. Uh, but I totally resonate with that. Because the mom shame is ridiculous because now oh, we live in a world where everything is broadcasted online you know yeah. and we I guess we didn't really notice how we weren't equipped to deal with everything up front and in our at our possession so like um so fast by just being able to see something through our phone right and it's incredible oh, yeah. how even just someone's instagram page could make you feel bad um uh -huh. if yeah. you're not you know if you haven't did the work on yourself like you said um yeah. i think your your story is just so so inspiring so you um so when you came back from india um what was the timing after of you opening your own studio in pomona well, it's funny because when when I was in India and I had been placed in a position where my teacher made me the leader. Oh. So he, he and, and it took us a while to get into a rhythm with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, I'll, and I'll just say it, you know, I'm a very strong uh, woman. Yes. And I'm a Leo. You know, so I'm like, rock, let's do this. I'm here. Let's train right now. Yeah. So he was very like, what, who is this woman? Why is she here? <laughs> so he decided to give me the role of to kind of be like the head of the class. And so, but I did not actually ever think about opening the studio. Uh -huh. And it wasn't until a couple of days before I left, he had taken down this um, dementia off of his wall. Uh -huh. And he added it to me. And he's like, when you open up your own studio, I want you to hang this in there. Oh. 
So he kind of, you know, he kind of planted the seed yeah. for me. And when I got back, it was, um, it was weird. It happened kind of quick because now my ex-husband and I um, had tried to have a child. Um, my daughter is 25, uh-huh. and she, she is from my first marriage. Mm-hmm. My second marriage, my husband, ex-husband and I, we were together for 22 years. Oh, wow. um, tried to have a child for 17 years. Uh-huh. And we did in vitro. We did all of that. And when, when I got back from India, and I, I feel like it was just that kind of thing of... I just released so much, released so much purged, I guess you could say, yeah. in India. I got back and within a year, year and a year, within a year, I got pregnant. Wow. Naturally. Just naturally. Wow. And, and so it was when Jude was six months, um, I opened up the studio. I think I was in that nesting mode. Yeah. You know, and so I opened up the studio then, and, um, I sold it with Open Door in downtown Pomona. I sold it in 2017? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2017, wow. 18, I think, January. So, um, this was good. It was an incredible experience for me. Uh-huh. Um, I think what made it tough for me was, um, well, A, uh, you know, I, I went through a divorce. Uh-huh. And so, kind of going through that, I went through a divorce my studio my daughter moved and joined the navy and my son was diagnosed with autism all within three months oh wow and so <laughs> said, uh, okay you know i i need to let go of something uh-huh. so i let go of the studio and and um it's allowed my career and my teaching to evolve in a whole new way because now i'm not having to worry about making the rent and paying the bills Right. really focus on my teaching so that was so it was a good decision for me yeah and I mean you're able yeah. to expand um instead of just being just in a studio you're able to like travel so like with um with your um relationship with UCLA when did that start was that kind of simultaneous with like the studio uh yes I started I uh, studied with UCLA in, in um 2016, 17, and I had told Diana Winston is the program director at Mark, and um, I told her once I, I finished the program, um, I said two things to her, Diana, uh-huh. I want to work here, and also, I would like you to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever asked me that way, and I said, well, if you want something, you gotta ask for, oh. or you usually don't get it. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, you know, and this is the whole thing that we talk about: manifesting mm-hmm. and setting our aspirations and our intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one thing for me: manifesting is I go out and I and I ask for what I want. Mm-hmm. If my intention behind what I want is coming from a place of compassion and, and wanting to grow and wanting to grow my community, then you're going to get it. Yes. You're going to get it. Oh, my God, yes. And, but you've got to ask for it. Yep. And so it was very intentional for me. I would have never in a million years, in a million years, Nicola, yes. thought that this poor little girl from Indiana, foster care kid, you know, grew up in a home where... Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I don't want to get into it. So much trauma. 
the, the trauma that happened in my childhood that I would be teaching at UCLA is yeah. unbelievable to me. And, and I, and I'm not a motivational speaker in any way, but I like hope that I can really um, inspire someone else. Like I'm telling you, if there's something that you want and it's really coming from a place of like true growth and you know it's going to be good for you, for your family, for your community, then you're going to get it. Oh my God. You got to do the work. Yes. Oh my God. I, I'm trying to stay grounded and not to cry. <laughs> I try to remember that we are recording because I just want to go off <laughs> how much that, that is so, so, so inspiring. And I'm so glad that you said that. That is so incredible. And I mean, that's the whole reason why I gravitated to you and even just reaching out because I, I like, I felt like when you walked through the door, at the workshop, I was like, wow, like, she looks like she's powerful, right? Uh, but to, but to even like, um, when I reached out to you, I hadn't read your story yet. I just knew that you were, you know, you were a teacher and you're an educator and that you helped me even in those little like 10 minutes that you spoke at the workshop. I was like, wow, she just, you just have this like presence about you. And then when I read your story, I was like, oh my God, like she's an actual like monk. Like, and then she went through this, all this work, you know, and like the, um, I feel like you have such a story of like the embodiment of doing the work. And, um, like you said, like you won't be able to get what you want in this life until you ask. And that's not necessarily like asking someone, but if it's like asking it of yourself, absolutely asking it of like the universe of the divine of whatever it is. Um, and that, I mean, that is just incredible. I love that you said that. Um, you are oh, so inspiring, you. for real. Oh, thank you. I'm so, like, and I know you said, like, you're not, like, a motivational speaker, but, I mean, just with that, like, just with your story, it's powerful in itself, you know, mm-hmm. of just being able to pull yourself from wherever it is that you are in your life, but just to go ahead and go after whatever it is that you want, because you never know where it might lead, right? Like, would you Absolutely. have thought your intention of going to India, but the way how you left India has put you on this whole different other journey. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would have, yeah, I mean, to go to India and think like, I'm going to leave here and go be a monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Yeah. what are you talking about? It, it would have, you know, but I, this was the thing. And I, and I, and I say this quite often. I got out of my own way. Yes. I got out of my own way. And I just allowed my path to take on its natural course. And there are moments where there's been a lot of pushback for me because doing this type of work, doing this kind of like inner self-study, and also the study of how we are in our relationships, the study of how we are in our relationship with money, how we are in our relationship with success. You know, it's a great study and also an extremely scary one. And so... There's been a lot of times where there's been pushback from me, but I understand when there's pushback like that, there's there's fear, and so I'm very loving with my fear. Okay, oh, I got no. you. I got this. Yes. We're okay. You know, and there's also times where it's okay to say no, and there's times where it's okay to say, I need to take to rest. I got to figure this out a little bit. You know, yes. to, to have have that ability to have that kind of relationship with yourself um, takes a lot of work. It does. And I would love 
And I say this, you know, I would love to sell the mindfulness and the meditation, you know, practice. I would, I, I, I'm like, okay, maybe that could be a good self-person. But I'm like, this stuff is it's hard work. Oh. And But if you have, if you have a really solid and beautiful aspiration and intention of what you would like to come out of this work, it supports you throughout the process and the training. You've mm-hmm. got to have that aspiration. Like it's like, and, and my mission or my, my mission statement is today I decided to be my own best friend, period. Oh my God. I remind myself that every day. Yes. I decided. I, you're, you're cool. I'm going to be cool with you today, no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you have to be your own best friend, your own cheerleader. I mean, I'm 32 years old, and I feel like this is the first year where I actually truly loved and leaned into myself. Wow, that is so powerful. That is I'm so, so happy to hear that. That yeah, is so exciting. And it's it doesn't. Exciting to hear the other, you know, that women in particular, you know, that we're taking ownership of ourselves and our relationship with self. And then also, too, you know, there's this whole thing about being able to bring that into community and be loving and inspired by other women is is not an easy thing because we have not been taught to be that way. Oh, my God. You know, but I feel there is a shift, you know, and, like, um, I teach mindfulness, too, uh, in my son's school. My yes. son's in uh, kindergarten. And so every Thursday I go in there and I teach mindfulness to 25, uh, five and six year olds. And it is just an incredible thing to see these children when we talk about, you know, when you're not feeling good, you can do this, you can breathe, touch your tummy. And we talk about emotion intelligence and we talk about this, this kind of way of living life now in a, in a healthy and nurturing way with kids. I'm like, it's going to change. The oh. shift, but we right now we're having to do the hard work to figure out what that shift is going to look like. Oh my God! Yes, um, yeah. That I mean that brings me on to my um, next question. As we're nearing our our convo, I um, at first I was going to ask you like, what could you leave us with? Because I have a lot of uh, not just women, but a lot of men that are also listening. But to like tips that you yes. could give us. Uh, but I mean, I want to start off with. As a mom, with as I know, I have a lot of uh, moms that are that listen. Also, what could I do to start changing that story for my sons? Because I mean, I do. I didn't realize how important it is, especially when they're so young. Because I mean, our parents didn't do the work, right? It wasn't even. It was something that was so taboo, like to to mental health, right? You just got over it if that's that's the way how the tone was with my parents right um so for me like what could i do to start my sons already so they don't have to be 32 and barely starting to love themselves oh yeah um that's actually well i mean that again and it it goes back to that an incredible question and we could unpack that oh my god yes (laughs) yeah and and this is how because my son is on the spectrum and I do, you know, my daughter, unfortunately, my daughter and I, you know, she was kind of with me when I was going through it, mm-hmm. trying to figure out life, yeah. trying to figure out who I was. So she kind of went along on the ride for that. And, and now I feel like Jude 
what's my son's name? Mm-hmm. I feel like he was born and he came and I call him my Zen master. <sighs> he actually is the one that teaches me. Yeah. And I teach him. But I have conversations with him every day. How are you feeling today? Uh-huh. You know, how does your tummy feel today? What mm-hmm. did you do today? You know, and I just sit down and I just talk to him. And he got in trouble at school the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a very big thing where, Jude, I want to have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm feeling very emotional and mm-hmm. very emotionally attached to the to the actual situation and mm-hmm. not how we're going to be able to work through this. So I need some space. I'm going to take a great pause. And then we're going to come back to each other and we're going to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. And I know when I'm speaking that way, you think, oh, she talks like that to her six-year-old. Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you know, and they're so I much do. more smarter. Yeah, I mean, uh, I try, I've been, that's one of the things I definitely shifted this year because my son is, my oldest son is eight. Um, you just have to step back from yeah. the emotion because I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but I totally relate to that. Yeah, it's it's and that's I, I guess that would be a very simple way to to explain it to your listeners yeah. in a way that I explain it quite often as well. It's having the ability to uh, be more responsive and less reactive. Yeah. So when you take these moments of pause, when you have that great awareness of what's happening inside of your body, the feeling tone of your mind that like hyper vigilance where you kind of like boom you know you want to be like why did you do that you know innately that it's going to go down in a way that something could be said that you're going to regret and that they're going to regret you have the ability to say you know what i'm going to wait 15 minutes to have this conversation with you because it's important and and i want to talk to you about this i think we need a couple of minutes to process Mm-hmm. And again, you're t- you're like teaching them that not everything has to be solved right away. You don't have to be impulsive, and you can take time and you work things out so much more um, with so much more ease. Right. If you have that ability, like I'm just going to step back. So I call it like the difference between being responsive or being reactive. Right. You actually, have the choice. Yes, that is so powerful. That is so, so powerful. And it gives them the tools already at such a young age to also for themselves to pause Mm -hmm. and to not be reactionary, but to process what's going on. Yeah, that's so, so powerful. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a a quick story. And this is just kind of like Mm -hmm. what it's, it's probably like for my son, who is six, to be living with a mindfulness educator. <laughs> he had gotten in trouble at school, uh-huh. and I was driving in the car, and I was discussing it with him, and he was like, you know, uh, we need to, let's focus on what we're doing right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, we are focusing on what we're doing right now. <laughs> we're focusing on talking about what happened. And he looked at me in his car seat, and I'm looking at him in the rear, rear view mirror, and he goes, no, aren't you driving? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. uh, okay, we'll talk about this when we get home. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful because you're teaching them 
other ways than processing and unpacking as well. Yeah, I mean, how <laughs> awesome for him. Like, Mom, you're not fully mindful right now. We're driving. <laughs> that is so good. And he's six. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I mean, the tools, was, it's like a gift that you're giving him, you know? And we all are. I think just yeah. having this, you know, neglect, having this kind of conversation with each other, you know, and and also with your listeners, to like open up the door and give people permission to yes. talk. Yes. Give people permission to talk about what it feels like to live with shame, with right. grief, and that you can actually talk to other people about it. Um, that's how we start to change things, how change things and how we manifest a better future. Yes. Oh my God, yes. So to um, end out our convo, where can people find you? Let me know your um, your website, your Instagram, your social, because um, you also teach, right? You do yoga still, or uh, no? I don't teach yoga. Not, I only only teach meditation. Meditation. Yes. Sorry about that. Uh, meditation, mindfulness, and uh, I work a lot with the nervous system because I study neuroscience, and so a lot with um, health and social regulation tools. So I teach the Maps program for UCLA which is uh, Mindful Awareness Practices. And I, there's six-week courses that you don't have to be a UCLA student to take. Um, very foundational type of training. So we do like eating meditation, walking meditation, relational mindfulness. It's incredible. I teach that here in Claremont, California, um, at the Prison Library Project, Claremont Forum. And then I also am going to start teaching it in Chino, California at Yoga Body. I also train and certify meditation uh, teachers, and that training starts uh, in Chino, California, as well at Yoga Body on March 1st. I do a private with clients, so I do meet one-on-one, and then I also work a lot in the corporate world, so I write pilot studies for Southern California Edison, and I train and certify clinicians and social workers. Um, how to practice mindfulness with our clients. So um, you can find me on MelanieYetter.com. Also, that's all my social media stuff with Melanie Yetter as well. Uh, I mean, you are just an incredible, extraordinary person. And I'm so, so blessed that our paths even cross this way. Because, I mean, at no point at all did I ever think that I would have guests on uh, to have convos on my podcast. But, I mean, I've learned so much just in the little 45 minutes that we've been together here. And, I mean... Thank you so, so much for blessing Thank me you. with this yeah, um, convo. Amazing. This is yeah, great. It's amazing. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and I hope everyone has a blessed, blessed day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you love what you heard today, please rate and leave a review on iTunes. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep the good stuff coming. For more inspiration and what I'm up to, please follow me on Instagram at Evolve Nicolette. Don't forget to tag me in your screenshots of the episodes you're listening to. Also, I do a happy dance every single time I get one and I love them so much. Thank you so much. See you on the next episode.